and my concerns. Yeah, and Madam Clerk, do we have a clock on this? Yes, we do. Cool, it looks like I can share my screen too, so I'm going to do that. So thank you all for the opportunity to uh, share my complaint. And I think just exhibited with that discussion you just had about uh, letting anonymous speak, it just speaks to y'all commitment to enabling the public to participate. I would prefer not to be here um, taking your time away from the important work that you also do. But sometimes it seems as if uh, filing complaint is uh, the only way to get certain responses uh, from the city. So today I'll be talking about my complaint against the city, particularly the city attorney's office related to my Public Records Act request uh, from uh, what is now about over six months ago. But first I wanna start with something from the California Public Records Act. And this is just a segment of um, part of the intention. And it says, mindful of the right of individuals to privacy, it finds and declares that access to information concerning the conduct of the people's business is a fundamental and necessary right of every person in this state. So before I continue, just a quick disclaimer, these are not those top-notch slides, uh, slides you'd expect from um, Rashid, but this is what I'm using to give you a visual aid to go along with me to understand my complaint. And of course you have all the documents that were shared. I even made up a little title. It's called Next Door, Next Request, and Next Time. And it's really about trying to figure out what's gonna happen next time when there's a complaint. Will the city attorney's office provide documents or will they delay or uh, obstruct? And in this instance, actually take accountability, take responsibility for failing to respond uh, for nearly six months, or as they pointed out, five months and 22 days. Uh, and only after I responded, actually. So it took about five months and I think 25 days. So there's really two issues in my complaint. Uh, first is the lack of a timely response to my Public Records Act request. And then second with that was a refusal to provide the documents. And you might say an initial refusal because on, I think now two instances, they have attempted to provide the documents, but that's not what happened initially. So first, just to address the lack of a timely response, um, just again, to the California Public Records Act, um, what the state law says is that each agency, upon a request for a copy of records, shall, within 10 days from receipt of the request, determine whether the request in whole or in part seeks copies of disclosable public records in the possession of the agency and shall promptly notify the person making the request of the determination and the reasons thereof. To be clear, it does not state they have to give the records within 10 days, just responding and saying, we have it, we don't have it, someone else has it, we need to communicate with them, 10 days. That did not happen in this case. Just to give a little bit more from the Public Records Act, it also states when a member of the public requests to inspect the public record or obtain a copy of a public record, the public agency in order to assist the member of the public make a focused and effective request that reasonably describes an identifiable 
record or records shall do all of the following to the extent reasonable under the circumstances. And you can look under 6253 um, one and it uh, particularly subsection A and it describes all of these other actions an agency can do if they don't understand what's being asked so they can clarify to identify an identifiable record. Public agencies have an advantage they know what they have and what forms they have it in oftentimes, but us members of the public, we don't have, we're not privy to that information. And so the city is supposed to first respond and assist a requester with getting information. But that's not what happened. Instead, there was no response for over five months and 25 days. And it required the requester to follow up and ask for the documents. At that time, I was informed that there was a mistake, which is an understandable mistake. However, I was also directed to contact the conglomerate next door. And this is a refusal to give public documents. And you all can look at the 2017 Supreme Court and know that public records, even if it's an official and they're doing official business on quote unquote personal accounts, it is still a disclosable public record. And so this is some of the activity uh, that's central to this initial request where we have a city council member utilizing the platform next door to share information on a thread about crime and vandalism about a community survey on policing and is encouraging people to participate. And then discussing perhaps critiquing the survey or the process to select the committee, but clearly engaged in the people's business. However, this information is said not to be a disclosable public record. However, the city has since on two instances shared some things. First, the things that were on the city's next door account that was quote unquote discovered. Um, and they also, uh, today forward me some screenshots that was collected by Alameda Anonymous. And so I appreciate them disclosing that information. However, I wish that it just happened initially instead of this pattern, which I think we've seen in a few instances where the initial response is not to provide assistance, but to obstruct members of the public. And so I just wanna end this presentation with a quote from um, some community members who were on this thread. And if you look at this third one here, um, this person, Carmen Davis says, communication with public officials are always subject to public record act requests. And not only would the Supreme Court of California agree, but Rashid does too. And I hope all of you commissioners do as well. Thank you. Okay, now we have the respondents opening statement presentation of facts for 10 minutes.
Good evening. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Excellent. Good evening, Chair Chilos, honorable members of the Open Government Commission. I wanted to um, take uh, the city's allotted time to do a few things. First, I just, I know you guys have our briefing and so I don't wanna belabor that. I know you've read it and, and, and thought about it, but I do wanna sort of hit the high points. Oops, let me do a quick I, time out there. Um, I don't sure. see the clock moving, Madam Clerk. Got it, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. No worries, thank you. So as I mentioned, I wanna hit the high points of the city's brief. I also want to um, provide some counterpoints to the reply. You might remember that the city um, prepared an, uh, a position statement and the complainant was given an opportunity to prepare his reply. In addition to that, um, I believe he supplemented it. So I wanted to address some of those points. And then finally, if I may, I'd like to address some of the points made in his opening presentation. First, um, I want to change the order of our brief a little bit because I think the critical aspect of this case um, involves compliance. You know, the city complied with the um, the letter of the law as set forth in the case that we cited in our brief at length. That's the Ted Smith case involving the city of San Jose, uh, emails and text messages of council members. What we did, what we did in this case, and I want to emphasize is we did what the court suggested in dicta that you should do when you receive a request for social media content, excuse me, not social media content, but content on personal devices. Now, what the court says there is you should first make the custodian of records aware of the records request, and then you should make the request. And that's precisely what we did. When the request came in, I wanna say within the hour, it was provided to, um, the custodian of records here, council member Herrera Spencer. And then we also um, uh, made a request for the records. Now, um, the next point is I wanna make is that any delay was caused by miscommunication. And I believe the complainant alluded to that in his both in his presentation and then also in his reply where he states that you know, the city just had kind of explained the issue that there was a miscommunication, you know, he would have moved on. And that's precisely what we did. However, we, we stated that there was a miscommunication about who was to respond to the request, yet here we are. But I also want to state that it's the city's sincere uh, position that this request was made, made prior to next request, which is the platform the city has acquired to process these records requests. And it is, it is infinitely better in terms of process and reminding uh, folks who need to work on these requests and assigning a person responsible for the request. So we believe with the implementation of the next request platform, uh, many of these instances would be reduced in number. The other point I wanna make is that the law is not clear here. While we stated that we cited the the most salient and relevant case, the one that's binding, that's the Ted Smith case. That case, you might know that it actually uh, involved text messages and emails. We've, we believe that social media content is just different. Um, and because we don't, and we're not aware of, I should say, a case, a binding case that deals with social media content, 
um, that consideration should be taken into account. But what is stated in the California Supreme Court's opinion in the Ted Smith case is that when courts are considering records requests like this one, that it cannot be ignored. What cannot be ignored is the constitutional rights of the custodian of records. They do mention that in the case and I believe we cited. And here the case, uh, excuse me, the, the, the fundamental rights that we're talking about are, are core fundamental rights. I mean, they're absolutely front and center. We're talking about the first amendment, the right to free association. Now in the Ted Smith case, the California Supreme Court was not able to weigh that even though they cited that as a consideration. And that's something that we believe that this commission should consider and keep in mind. Now I'd like to turn to our counterpoints to the reply by the complainant. In his materials for uh, first, he talks about a continuing violation. Now the city you might recall has raised the issue of timeliness and a continuing violation is, I guess the way I would frame it is that it's sort of a defense that you should sort of ignore the timeliness issue because the city's violation is a continuing one. Now, during my research, I wasn't able to identify a case involving the Public Records Act, but I believe that this commission should consider analogous cases. And in the FOIA context, the city was able to identify a treatise that does explain that there is a limitations period in the FOIA context. It's actually six years. And in that treatise, it states that judicially created exceptions to the statute of limitations should not be applied to toll or stop the limitations period. In other words, the continuing violation doctrine doesn't apply in the FOIA context. And I'm happy to provide that case law that the commission finds that to be useful. The other point that the complainant makes is this idea of precedent. Now, he states and identifies two quote unquote precedent, I believe it's Molly Watkins case, and then also the ARPD reforms Gmail case. First off, those aren't legal precedent. And there is no um, legal authority that the complainant cites that decisions made um, when processing records requests constitute precedent. And the reason why precedent matters is there's legal doctrine about precedent that you should stand by the decisions you've made in the past. But I don't believe these are legal precedent. Um, and even if they were precedent, they actually support the city's position because in each of those instances, we did there what we did here which is we made the custodian of records aware of the request and we made a request and we produced any documents we believe was responsive and that we were provided. The final point that, the, uh, that I'd like to address that the complainant made was this idea of a glaring omission. I believe he tries to paint the city as omitting a key document. The document in question is a next door post by council member Herrera Spencer that was actually produced to the city in an email. Now, had the requester made an e and a request for emails, that document would have turned up. But because he was actually looking for 
social media content, it didn't come up, which is why it's not a glaring clinician. Next, um, what's not clear to me, at least, is that what remedy the uh, requester is asking for. Um, he's alleging, for example, that we, and I, I, I'm not gonna hit too much on the um, statute of limitations, but he says that we failed to produce. We simply just didn't produce a record. And what we should have done is actually gone to Nextdoor to request it. Now, if that's the remedy, then I would say that it's futile because as we cited in our position paper, the membership agreement, which governs all content on the Nextdoor platform, states that the member is the sole owner of the social media content with a royalty-free license to Nextdoor and no one else. So had we actually done, if that's the remedy, had we actually done that, we would have been denied or just simply ignored. But what's most important is that the California Supreme Court doesn't actually require us to do that. It doesn't require us to go to the platform and request the records. And as I mentioned, it would have been futile anyway because of the membership agreement. And it may have been an invasion of privacy. I wanna bring back a citation that the requester made in his presentation, that's government code section 6250, where in the, um, in the, in the sort of uh, subordinate clause, he talks about privacy. So privacy is a concern. And that's really, really important here. Um, the other point I wanna make is that as mentioned by the requester, the complainant here, we did produce records and he said that, you know, I wish this would have come sooner and we do too. We actually received it today. Within minutes, we sent it to him. So in that sense, I believe this, um, this complaint is actually moot now that it's been produced to him. Um, let me just take a, a moment to just address one other point, which is, again, we didn't refuse to produce the records to him. We simply produced what we had. And, and that's time. Okay. Yes, now we bring back the complainant um, to reply to the respondent's presentation of facts. There we go. Greetings again. So when you look at the response from the city attorney's office to my complaint, if when you read it, there is language that suggests it was my responsibility to follow up on my request that they failed to respond to. I waited five months and however many days and I sent an email on a Saturday, you know, for those that are not being paid to be here uh, right now, you know, sometimes we do some things on weekends. And 
it's it was just unfortunate to see you know y'all go out like that like again my i think the main point is about just taking accountability i made a request the law says respond within 10 days that did not happen and so instead of both acknowledging that or just once i responded uh, or i re i followed up you know sharing the information there was a go to next door and so you know the um I'm the complainant requester. The uh, the city's position was that they did respond. They did reach out to the custodian of records. But when was that? Was that before I filed a complaint or was it actually after? And so again, this is what I'm saying. A person should not have to file a complaint to get a response to a Public Records Act request. That's not a good practice. It's time consuming and unnecessary. Secondarily, um, about this, the point of the violation. So is a person really supposed to, you know, file a Public Records Act request every single day for 10 days, wait for the city response. And then when that doesn't happen, make sure you're on top of that next 15 days so you can file a complaint. The fact is you never responded to my request until, or yeah, responded until October. And so all through that time, you still hadn't responded. And so there was definitely uh, not 15 days between my follow-up and the complaint. So when I, I speak about precedent, there are a number of different ways you can think about that conceptually. And I'm not thinking about a legal precedent. Again, I'm speaking about a consistent pattern of obstructing people who are trying to get records and there's a couple of different directions of precedent. So first, in 2019, when I filed my complaint for the city, similarly not responding to my Public Records Act request under uh, AB 1421, it was more than 10 days. But this little technicality argument that's being made was not being made then. And so this is just an example of, again, not addressing the actual issue and trying to find some technicality so this pattern that does exist is not put on record. So next, in addition to when I'm saying precedent, yes, the city has provided text message of officials as well as uh, other emails. Again, my emails were requested. In fact, the request for my emails is what reminded me that I had a Public Records Act request the city didn't respond to. That's why I waited five months and 22 days and responded on a weekend because I initially instantly responded to the public act request for my records. But when did you request that from the custodian of records and what were their responses? So instead of, again, addressing the issue, I think what the city um, has unfortunately done here is try to put it on people of the public to be able to stay on to have to stay on top of them and in this instance coming forward with a complaint and so again just to that last point um the reason the intention of filing a complaint and whether or not it's moot at this point because i have received some documentation again the documentation came from whoever is uh on top of screenshots and doing screenshots of uh you know our city council member that's on next door this was not something that the city actually got from the city council member. 
And so I see that also as problematic, but it may be slightly germane to this instance. So again, the two main issues, did the city respond within 10 days? No. Did they provide the documentation before a complaint was filed? No. Members of the public should not have to file complaints with the Open Government Commission under the Sunshine Ordinance to get the city to comply with the law. Thank you all. Peace. Okay, now it's time for <coughs> commissioners if they have any questions of either of the parties or witnesses. Um, so commissioners, do we have any questions? I see Commissioner Lopalata with a hand up. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I actually have quite a few questions for one, for one of the parties. So we might wanna pause and bounce around and let um, others take a turn if other folks have questions. One question I have um, actually initially for the chief assistant city attorney is uh, as we, before going into questions, as we look at whether a violation occurred, you know, for example, under claim number two here, should we be considering the documents produced at the time a complaint was made or the documents produced by the time a complaint reaches us on the hearing date? Are there parameters around that? Because that might impact some of the questions I ask. Um, so just to understand, um, Commissioner Lopalata, are you asking whether or not the um, two uh, alleged violations can be considered separately in terms of the statute of limitations argument? Uh, no, uh, though I think that's an interesting question. Um, I'm curious about when we think about whether a violation occurred in terms of a perhaps a refusal to provide records, we should be looking, I assume, at the date the complaint was filed and not the date that it, like, there would be a violation which would now be moot if it's been cured by the time it comes to hearing. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Or I think, I think, I, I see, I apologize initially. I, I understand your question now. Um, I, I think it's up It's um, up to the commission's discretion. Um, I think it's a factor to, to weigh as far as whether or not there was a technical violation that has now been cured versus there was no violation. I think the commission has the discretion to make either finding. Thank you. Um, and I only have one question for the complainant before quite a few for the city, which was, uh, it, we're hearing a lot of references to additional screenshots provided today. Uh, I'm not, a, I don't think the commission has had visibility to any of that. City clerk, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't see anything come through. I haven't seen the agenda be updated. So we are totally in the dark as to what those documents consist of. I'm wondering um, uh, for the complainant, if you could provide some insight on what, what you received, where it came from. You've, you've described it a little bit, but maybe more detail. Uh, sure. Thank you, Commissioner Lopalato. I can't describe that much because I received it this afternoon and I also had to work and do other things. So um, they are screenshots that uh, have an October date of it and um, the name of the, uh, I don't know, entity was Alameda Anonymous. And that's about as much information as I can provide. And they, they sent it to the city on Friday, but I imagine y'all had the day off. Thank you. Um, and maybe I'll flip that question over to, to Mr. Lay there. I, I assume you probably had a hand in that um, document production. Could you share some insight on what it was that was produced today that we haven't seen and what it consisted of? Certainly the complainant is correct that it was uh, produced to the city on Friday, but um, 
Seahawks closed for certain employees on Friday. So I wasn't aware of it until this afternoon. And when I did receive it, I did not review it. So I'm not able to kind of summarize it for you. I just immediately turned around and asked that it be provided to the complainant. Okay, thank you. Um, I can pause and give anyone else a turn before I launch into some legal questions. Yeah, that'd be good uh, to get some other commissioners or other questions as well, but I'll open it up to other commissioners first. Commissioner Chen. Um, thank you, uh, Chair. I, I have a question for uh, the Assistant City Attorney, like John Lay. Um, when a request like that comes in, what are the expectations or requirements of the custodian of records? Well, our process, if I just could take a step back, is to, um, in answer to the question, we, uh, in an earlier question as well, is that when the request came in, I believe like within uh, uh, at least, I'm at most 24 hours, I, I want to say it was within the hour we provided it to a number of individuals inside the city to process the request, but we also sent a copy to the um to the custodian of records. Um, and the California Supreme Court said that you don't even need to do that. I mean, you can just simply summarize the nature of the request to the requester. Instead, we just provided the request to the requester. And then typically what we do is we make a request for the records. That, um, what that does is it actually allows the requester, uh, excuse me, the uh, custodian of records to do a search um, on their own uh, of their records. And that's something um, that was identified by the California Supreme Court. In addition to that, um, it's something that you would expect to be done in this instance, given that it is social media. You know, with social media, um, there, uh, those types of records, the custodian of records is gonna be the best person to kind of take a look at those anyway. And the, what, what the law says is that you can reasonably rely on that search. And, and that's precisely what we did. And so this idea that we refuse to produce records, I just don't think is accurate. So you said, uh, just follow up. You said as soon as you got the request, what date was that? Uh, April 21st. So on April 21st, you... Mm -hmm. Uh, let the custodian of records know that uh, their records of the of the their interactions on next door were being requested. So let me take a step back. So the request was received on April twenty first. I, I don't know the precise time. I believe it was in the afternoon. And certainly, I I, I want to say it was within an hour or two. I I didn't personally provide it, but um, someone within the city provided it uh, to the custodian. So what are the requirements of the custodian of records to reply? I mean, uh, I, I mean, we, we heard the complainant say that when he was the custodian of records, he replied um, right away. Right. Um, I think what's required of them is for them to do uh, a search um, of, in this case, it, it was social media, a, a search of the social media that's requested based on the review of the request and to produce records because, um, you know, when you, when you make them aware of it, you also request the records. 
Um, I think the standard practice, though, is um, oftentimes when the custodian of records is actually copied on the request, they just know that that's what they're supposed to do. That's kind of sort of the expectation. And once it's turned over to the city, the city treats it like any other records request. We review it. If it um, possibly could implicate ex exemptions, I'm sure you're aware, we do the review and then we produce it. So you also stated that you received no records. I from the custodian of rec of the records being requested. I'm only hesitating because I didn't actually. I, there might have been one record that was received, um, but I'm not sure. I, I I don't know. It's possible that there were no records, but I. But if there were any records, I want to say there was one record. From the custodian. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it was a record from the custodian or a record that was identified by staff. So as a commissioner, I'm not sure if, is the custodian of records then in violation of the, uh, the um, uh, timeliness of responding to the request? You know, I, I don't know how best to frame that. I, I don't know that that means that the, I, I don't believe, um, I'm not sure that their conduct is actually the subject of this. I mean, it's it's the city as the respondent. And so you might, you might hear this expression when people say, well, the city, you know, it's just this entity, right? The municipal corporation, but the city can only act through its it's agents, the individuals that kind of do the city's work. And so I, I suppose you could look at it that way, but you can also look at it as anyone sort of who's involved in the processing of this complaint, excuse me, this request. Okay. Um yeah, Chief Assistant, or oh, Chief City Attorney John Lay. Yeah, through reading this, um, I just wanna make sure I'm understanding the city's account. So let me do a quick summary and let me know if I'm stating it correctly or incorrectly. So the city has an A next door account. They're a subscriber or member or whatever you wanna call it. Is that correct? City has what's called an agency account. Okay, so then from reading, um, you know what was given to us, it's pretty much used by the city to make announcements and that sort of thing, right? And I saw e examples of that. Mm -hmm. Now, from the screenshots and the things I saw from you know Commissioner uh, Spencer. Was she replying within that account or was this like some separate um, community? I'm not too familiar with Nextdoor. I don't use the system, but I would think that it's just like, hey, the city of Alameda posted something on Nextdoor. It goes out to all whoever's subscribing to it, right? Then people would just write messages to it. That's, I believe, is that sort of how it works? So what we're talking about are two different next door accounts. One is the agency okay. account. 
where the city is actually a city employee is the it's our PIO, the public information officer is. And that's the, the person who sends the announcements, right? Right. And, and these okay. announcements are like one way, they're intended for one way as one way communication. Kind of like an example is let everyone know the Webster tube is closed. Perfect. Okay. Right? And, and to answer your question about um, posts, there are comments allowed. Okay. So for example, if somebody says the Webster tube is no longer closed, just so you know, you guys have this announcement that it's closed, it's stale, it's no longer there. I want you to know I'm a, I'm a Alameda resident, it's no longer there. So there are comments allowed on there. And so what we did was we tried to produce those uh, because they were within our custody and control. Um, in addition to providing uh, the custodian of records of the personal next door account. Okay, so that that's where I'm getting a little confused. Okay, so it's a little, so the communications that were sent to us where we do see council member um, Spencer responding, that is not on the city's, I guess, account? No, no, it, it actually is. It's so, oh. as I mentioned, the, the agency okay. account allows you to comment. Okay. It was discovered during our investigation that there were some comments from the custodian of records here. And that's what we produced. Okay, so so everything on the city's account where, hey, the tube was closed. Let's say, for example, someone said it's not closed, like you said. And let's just say, for example, that council member Spencer responded to that and said, yes, it closed. It, I mean, it is no longer closed. And she put a time and gave more detail. That would all be on that city's account. And you would have full records of that, correct? Um, yes, but I want to tell you that during the course of the investigation, I, I was not aware that actually we had this next door account. And because of the complaint, I did investigate it. And that's what I discovered. We did provide this to the complainant and the complainant explained to us. So we provided uh, an excerpted version because we weren't sure if that's what um, the complainant wanted. And then he emailed me back saying, um, I'm not interested in this information. What I want is the personal account. Okay. That so, okay, so we have a city account, but now we're saying there's some other forum where a, the council, council member Herrera Spencer was writing things. Is that not on the city account and just being out there and responding to things? Is that correct? Um, and that's probably like the stuff that the complainant was looking for but since it wasn't on the city account, you didn't have access. Is that, am I saying that right? Because I, I'm trying to, I'm confused here. Yeah. Yes, you are saying that correct. And we did produce okay. on, um, the records on the personal account today as soon as we received them. Because that, at that point, we did have custody and control. We had them in our possession. So we provided them uh, to the complainant. Okay. So just to summarize, there's two different, I won't say account. Okay. I, I think accounts is the right word. There's a city account, council member public, whatever, they go back and forth comment, but then there's maybe some other, I don't know, forum out there, and maybe it's like Al small town Alameda or whatever you want to call it, and people make comments there, and possibly council member Spencer commented there, and that's sort of what the complainant was looking for, and I'll ask that directly to 
um, are complainant. Is that, did I summarize that right? That there's, I guess, two sets of things. You wanted to see everything that the council members said on the city site, but you're also looking for what was said on the non-city forum. Is that correct? So I can tell you what my request was. I did not have any expectation about the particular technology medium or the method in which it was maintained or retained. I asked for the correspondence and I was aware of one instance of correspondence in which my name along with others were put on this crime thread, but I didn't know the particulars of how again. Okay, you, so you, you just had an open request, anything that council member Spencer said on next door, is that? Yeah, I mean, the quote is, I request access to and a copy of all constituent correspondence to and from and comments by council member Trish Herrera Spencer using the next door social media platform. And I asked if your agency does not maintain these records, please let me know who does. And that's when I got directed to next. Okay, door. I think I, thank you, um, Assistant Chief, Chief John Lay and thank you Former Commissioner Shabazz, I I I I understand this now, and I do see a hand up by Commissioner Montgomery. Okay, thank you all. Welcome, Mr. Shabazz. How are you doing? Um, I I do have a one. I have a couple of questions, um, but first I want to clear my understanding. I'm understanding that the city has its own account on Nextdoor and also the council member in question has her own account. You can respond as a person. So if I had an account on Nextdoor, I could go in under whatever the city posted as the city and I could make a comment under there as a person. I could also, as a person, start my own thread within Nextdoor talking about something totally other. Um, so that's my understanding of how next door works. Is, is this correct? It, it is correct, but I do want to make a distinction. When you're talking about the agency account, it is possible for a member of the public to comment on it, but it is not possible for them to initiate a new post because it's intended for the, you know, for the city to do that. But you are correct. If they want to originate a post, they can on their personal next door account. Thank you. And then to Mr. Shabazz, so were you requesting um, those communications as well it, as, as what was posted directly under city communication on the site? Sorry, can you ask me one more time, please? Were you, I'm sorry, were you requesting um, the communication from the council member that was her own own post as well as things that were posted under that were commented on under a city post. Yeah, I think um, it's a similar question to Chair Tio's uh, question. Um, again, I just requested the correspondence to and from her and comments by her on the Nextdoor platform. I was not aware of any particular distinction um, between the city's account and this agent of the city being, you know, this council member. Okay, I have I have another question. When you received the first um, the the first documents of what you had requested, like the ones that that we received in our past packet, I saw that some of um, the council council members' comments 
weren't complete that the, the, it wasn't open you know when you when you say a thing and there's more words than you can actually see and you have to click the more so that you can see the whole comment we weren't able on the communications that we got to see the more and i was wondering if the communications that you got did you get the same just screenshot of the front or did you get the whole thing mr shabazz yeah, so initially uh, I received, uh, and you know, whoever constructed this document for, for or by the city, within the city could uh, probably get a better explanation of what they compiled. But I received two links to uh, policies related to elected officials usage of the platform, as well as a number of different uh, comments. The initial links about the policies, they didn't work, but I was able to find the documents later uh, doing a search. And then when I was on a, um, I don't know, desktop, laptop, I was unable um, because I wasn't logged in. Um, I also don't use uh, Nextdoor um, for reasons probably other Black people are familiar with, but I um, was not able to access that, and I ended up having to utilize uh, a cell phone device where I'm still logged in uh, to that application. Okay, so I'm not... I'm sorry, I'm not sure if I heard. Did you did you get to read the, the mores that, uh, that no. were there or did you not get to read the mores? Uh, no, ma'am. And, and, and it may have been some function I could have clicked or something, but I wasn't able to access that. Yeah, because we just got it in a stagnant, you know, a document so that we, we can't access the more from someplace else. I just wondered if you had been able to. Thank you. Yeah, Commissioner Montgomery, um, Chief City Attorney John Lay has his hand up, but it is your questioning time. So I'll, if you'd like to have him um, share, it's totally up to you. Yes, if you, if you had a response to one of my questions. I, I did, Commissioner Montgomery. Um, to answer your question, um, there, there wasn't more to it. What you have is there, and there's a specific reason for that. It, it, it was, um, we wanted it produced quickly, so we excerpted it. We didn't produce the whole thing. And the reason why we did that was we were unclear as to whether or not this, uh, the complainant actually was requesting um, records from the city's agency account. And so we wanted to send it to him. And I believe I sent him an email saying, hey, um, I discovered this content on the city's next door account. I even say in the in there it says here's an excerpt of it. Is this what you're looking for? And I want to read from an email I received from Mr. Shabazz on November seventh, um, if I may, at uh, 1.35 35 um, p.m. And I think his response um, is is useful here. Um, so it was Sunday, November 7th, 2021, 1.35 p.m. He says, thank you. But in particular, he says, and I'm quoting, nonetheless, my PRA is not about the agency next door account, but the writings of an official discussing city business through a specific social media platform. So um, we interpreted that to mean that he was not interested in any additional records. Um, so that's why it, it, it stayed as the excerpts. Had the complainant suggested that that is exactly what he was looking for, we would have gone back to produce it. I remember requesting it, the information from the public information officer, and she said, yes, I can certainly produce everything, 
John, but it's going to take me some time. But I wanted to clarify first with the complainant that that was indeed what he had wanted. And the response I got, I believe, as I've quoted to you, was that he wasn't interested in the uh, next door agency account, which is that's why we left it where it was. Yeah, my uh, I'm sharing my screen and folks can actually see that email right there and what I actually wrote. Thank you. Um, a quick, first, I, I want to stay mindful of, of the time limit. So uh, to, to either of you, I apologize if this sounds like rapid fire <laughs> questions, I won't have my usual tee up um, and I'll probably need to request more time. But um, Mr. Lay, I'm, I'm looking at one of the documents that you attached to the city's position statement um, the October 28th email in which you uh, included the next door posts with TS comments that I think Commissioner Montgomery was referring to. And my read of it is you say, you state, nevertheless, I am attaching a record that may be responsive to your request. Is that the, the material that you're referring to as excerpts? Yes, it is. And, and that's why I say nevertheless, because to me, it wasn't clear that that's what he was looking for. Okay. Um, and then just so that, I'll just ask the big picture question first. What is the city's position on whether a social media communication could constitute a public record? I think our position is that there isn't clear legal authority on that very issue. Um, and uh, because of that, um, you know, we've raised a number of other arguments that we hope the commission considers because we believe that the commission doesn't need to decide this sort of weighty constitutional issue. I mean, if anything, it should be dealt with by the legislature. Now, the California Supreme Court dealt with the Ted Smith case as best they could, given the circumstances. I remember watching oral argument of that case, and there was some discussion about whether or not that it should go back to the legislature. And um, because there's not clear guidance, um, we don't believe it's clear that it is. And one of the um, issues that we raise, for example, the practical considerations in dealing with social media as a public record is a retention schedule. For example, if you have a Snapchat account and you start, I guess, Snapchatting, I don't know what the expression is, but if you start using that platform and it's gone instantaneously, are you going to then save that Snapchat, put it into a folder and keep it for as long as the city's retention schedule says? And if you're using email as an analogy, we're talking three years, it's not clear. There are, there are also heavy constitutional issues here that need to be weighed. And, and this is not something that the commission should really be weighing in on because it's such a difficult topic to wrestle with. Okay, let me ask this as a follow-up question because like you stated previously, you're unaware when this first happened that we, that you, the city had a next door account. But let's say now you're aware there is a, an account and seems like it's very easy for everything within that forum for you guys to pull. I don't, 
I don't know about retention and maybe it's only six months of it is still there or whatever, whatever. But let's say someone made the request now, knowing all the stuff you know now, would the city just go and hand off that stuff? Because it is sort of public record because it is in that account and you do have access to it. You don't have to go and call next door to ask for it, but you have it now. Someone asked for it. Would that be something you would just shoot off to a requester now? We, we would or is that still that. this gray line you're having between social media and all this? No, I, I, because it's a social media account that's actually owned, retained, maintained by the city, we would have very little issue producing that. But you must remember that the elephant in the room is we're talking about a personal social media account. Yeah, that one I would, I yeah, I would sort of bifurcate that. I'm just talking about the city one where it's easily obtainable for the city. You don't have to go and ask next door about the other stuff because, you know, as our complainant said, it was an open request. He didn't know it was just the city's account or some special ones. He just put an open request out there. So I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what the city sort of can provide easily, you know, to a requester. So Absolutely. And we're not taking the position that the, the city's, uh, the, excuse me, the post on the city's agency account is not a public record. We're not taking that position, just, just to clarify. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it was, you know, like you said, oh, I think my time is up, but um, Commissioner Lopalado and Commissioner Chen. So I guess Lopalado. <laughs> I can ask a, a quick one or two. Um, I understand the comments about retention schedules and actual possession. Um, I'm really interested in constructive possession here and, and what that might look like in the context of uh, an individual's you know, private accounts. I, I read the city of San Jose case and I think some of the constitutional you know, privacy concerns, it says that should be addressed on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, and so I'm not worried about us running afoul of the, the California constitution here, but, um, there, and you mentioned this as well, there's statements in the California Supreme Court case that essentially an agency may reasonably rely on employees to search their own personal files, accounts, and devices for responsive materials. Um, I'm wondering if when you sent that, forwarded the request along within an hour of receiving it back in April, did you receive any confirmation that the individual custodian of records had conducted such a search? Um, first of all, I did, I did not send it personally myself. Some, someone in the city did send that, and I, I'm not aware of a response. Okay. Um, I, it's, I was just, okay. Uh, that leaves us, I think, in a position where we have to assume that no response was made. So certainly if you're able to gather any other information to confirm one way or the other, because um, I think this goes to the sort of the health of the honor system here. Um, there's there's also a line in the San Jose case indicating you know federal courts have approved of employees conducting their own searches as long as they've been properly trained and how to distinguish between private and public records and so I'm wondering whether any specific guidance was given to the individuals who the individual whose private records were or personal account um, communications were sought was any guidance given on like what would constitute a public record in this context. And I'm not asking for like any legal advice that was given, but just was any advice given or did you simply forward the request along? 
So when we forward uh, requests to custodians of records, we don't give sort of on-the-spot training right there. I, I know the city does provide general public records training and also open government related training. And um, you know, I don't I don't personally give that training, but I suspect that would be covered there. I know that training happens, but if you're asking whether or not we give you know training right on the spot, like this is remember this is what you need. We don't do that. We rely on the fact that you know. They have been trained in in some manner or another, and we just say, "Here's the request." Um, uh, and I think that's kind of where we leave it. I can pause for a bit so Commissioner Chen can ask questions. Mr. Chen. Yes, um, I just wanted to make a comment that um, five years ago. Uh, people would tweet and they just tweeted. But uh, policy started coming through Twitter, which is a social media tool. And in fact, I'm always a little taken aback still because I'm, I come from a, another century. That, you know, today it was announced that blah, 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 said this, right? It tweeted this and I'm going, when did tweets become, you know, policy statements, but this is what social media has become. So I, this is just a comment that I need to make. Uh, the other thing is that um, Nextdoor allows every um, owner of their uh, to actually uh, make a request for every posting they've made. So I saw the instructions today, so I just did it. And I, all of the postings I've ever made on Nextdoor uh, I got in three minutes in files. So it is a very easy thing to do. Um, I'm clean, but uh, <laughs> but I have to say that uh, Nextdoor makes it very easy for an individual to recover all of his or her or their documents uh, by a simple request on the Nextdoor site. Ms. Lafada. Thank you. Um, I want to kind of get a sense of, of, is the city's argument that that the city didn't have actual possession of the records because that's obviously in next door's possession and or the individual personal account holder. And then the city also didn't have constructive possession because the records were requested from the individual council member, but no response was received and therefore there was no constructive possession. Do I have that right? Yes, I, you know, the way I would frame it is that um, the city's position is that we, we didn't actually have actual custody uh, until recently, of course, and then we turned it over once we did. We don't have constructive possession because the membership agreement says we don't. Um, and in the cases that we cited, they do look to the contract and it had to do with a subcontractor and look, they look to the contract as a determining factor about whether or not the city had uh, constructive possession. So our analogy here is that since the membership agreement says that we're not, uh, we don't have that ability. We can't go, for example, go and and uh, request it from next door because they would say, well, you're not the member, so you're not going to get it. So we don't have constructive possession under those grounds. But we also, um, the other thing we've argued is that we followed what the California Supreme Court, uh, our, I admit in dicta, albeit in dicta, what they said we should do, and that's what we did. Does the um, 
excuse me for a second while I look back at my notes here. Um, I'm curious about some of the, the records that, that were produced. Um, and this is looking back at attachment three to the city's, the city's position statement. Um, and I'm curious about the city's position on whether some of those comments by the individual council member would have constituted a public record. So for example, if we look at um, in attachment three, there's a communication from the council member, which ultimately was discovered on the city's next door account um, in January 6, 2021. And that's time also. Mr. Chair, may I request an additional one or two minutes for further questions? By one. <laughs> I'll do my best. So my question is, uh, what is the city's position as to whether, for example, the January 6, 2021 communication from the council member on the city's next door account constitute a public record? You know, as we stated, we we stated in, in our position paper, sort of what are the factors for determining whether or not it's a public record. It really boils down to whether or not uh, relates to the conduct of the people's business and that has some sort of sub factors. We produce those records um, because we did feel that um, they were relevant. Uh, there is some, and but I, I do want to fall back on the position that we've already made that the, there is no clear guidance. There is a case that we did cite that talked about how if someone was simply providing information, hey, you might be interested in this. It's unclear whether or not that would be a public record. And because there's not clear guidance, that is an argument that possibly could be made until that is decided by a court of competent jurisdiction that actually has, you know, sort of binding effect on us. So I, I do want to acknowledge that it, it, we did kind of believe that it was something that was a record, but then also there is authority out there, even though it's just persuasive, that just simply providing information doesn't kind of move the needle, so to speak. Thank you. Um, and uh, very quickly, are there, uh, you, you mentioned training that's given to council members in the general sort of open government training. Are there written policies related to social media use for council members and commissioners? I, I don't believe, I don't believe there's social media, there's a social media policy. Okay. And, um, there was one I can certainly say I'm not aware of one. Sorry. That's fair. No, I, I understand that distinction and appreciate it. Um, the There's a comment made in the addendum to the complainant's reply regarding a 2019 complaint um, that was sort of loosely mentioned here. And I'm wondering if you could sort of respond to the complainant's statement about um, making an argument that something is time barred now, whereas that obviously was not um, included in the OGC's prior decision on, on a somewhat similar fact pattern? Mm -hmm. No, no, that's an excellent question. And, and you know, this is, um, this gets a little bit closer to the kind of doctrine of stare decisis. I, I mentioned it to you because you're familiar with it, but it's basically the principle that, you, you know, the commission should stand by a, a position that they had taken in, in the past. I want to be clear that I don't even know that it stare decisis or standing by your prior decisions actually applies in an administrative context. I will say that to the extent that it does, let's assume that stare decisis does apply. The decision that's referred to, it's actually 19-02, I believe. Um, that cannot be, uh, that wouldn't be precedent because it, 
the, uh, the issue about timeliness wasn't decided there. It was never raised, and so therefore it was never decided. But the notion that the city is now bound by this idea that because they didn't raise timeliness back there, it's gone and gone forever is not something we would ever support and we don't believe is the correct way to look at it. Those are all of my questions. Thank you to both of you. Oh, actually one last question, just so that we're super clear on this. Um, records were produced today uh, to the complainant or, right. or Friday or within the last few days and, and they haven't been uh, visible to the OGC as part of this complaint. Um, just so that I'm very clear, because it was referred to as if those came from the custodian of records. And sounds like that's not the case, that they did not come from the individual custodian of records. No records have in fact come from the individual custodian of records. These were in fact screenshots by a third party. Is that correct? I, I believe that's correct. Now, whether or not uh, the, um, whether or not the uh, custodian of records responded, I, I, I hesitate a little bit because I, I just remember kind of the splinter in my head about how, oh, there is one thing, but I'm not sure if it's related to this case or not. We've just, we process so many of these, I apologize. Okay, thank you. If, if you do come across that information, I think that would be helpful for us in our deliberations. Yeah. And Chair Tios, if I could just clarify, um, looking at the attendees today, um, the email I received was from Alameda Anonymous. If Anonymous Anonymous is that same person or entity, the fact that they are here, as well as uh, council member Trish Herrera Spencer, it's likely that they're not the same person, or at least it's possible. So that would suggest that the records that were received were not from the custodian of records. And in fact, as you stated, Commissioner Lopalato, a third party. Okay. Um, I don't see any more hands up. So I think this is the part where we make some closing statements. Uh, complaining. Um, yeah, Mr. Chair, do we um, get to make our public statements before uh, members of the public, or does that happen? And then um, closing statements are first, then we will ask if there are any speakers. Okay, awesome. Thank you for uh, clarifying that. Yeah, I don't, I know y'all working through those procedures tonight. Good luck. So I'll try to be uh, quick. So, you know, one thing is um, the next door policy for uh, public agents, uh, agencies, elected officials states that elected officials and staff are not permitted to use next door for public agencies for campaigning, campaign fundraising, announcing campaign events, position statements, or any business other than official city or county business. That's the policy of next door, which uh, the assistant city attorney directed me to. And so if that's the case, an elected official using this platform is using it for the people's business and the people's business is open to scrutiny of the public. If you're looking for more information about that more recently, AB 992 gets into some more detail about the Brown Act and how people shouldn't be liking each other's posts because that might, uh, not necessarily, it's not a meeting, but it might be signaling people's positions on matters that might be before the city. And in fact, the specific things that were on that next door thread were stuff that was coming up before the city. But this really isn't about the content. Although there are questions that may emerge around why city council members are using segregated social media platforms that some of us on the West End may not be able to access your posts because next door is only for people who you may wanna have live next door to you. But in fact, it's about at this point, two issues. Did the city respond within 10 days? No, that didn't happen. 
very clearly. It did not happen. And when they did respond after my follow-up, they directed me to Nextdoor. And it's great that they've discovered that Nextdoor policy, or I mean, they had some interdepartmental communication, but the fact the initial response was to obstruct again. And so I did suggest some remedies coming out of this. It sounds like they need some clarity around social media retention policies, but y'all don't have to do that in this adjudicative thing. But clearly there's a violation around time as well as not giving me the records before the complaint. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for our respondents closing statement. I think we tried to make clear in our brief that um, this is not a facile issue. It involves very weighty constitutional issues, but we don't believe the commission needs to uh, engage in those issues. Uh, the first reason of which is that it, it, there's no guidance for the commission to do so. Instead, the complaint is untimely. The continuing violation doctrine, as we mentioned, doesn't or shouldn't apply given that it's not applied in the FOIA context. We did what the California Supreme Court asked us, uh, suggested that it would be okay to do. We made the requester aware of the records request and we requested the records. We produced what we received. We produced what we had custody of control over and we immediately produced within minutes, um, something that we re received today in the form of personal social media content. And with that, um, we ask that you um, find in the city's favor. Thank you, I submit. Um, so thank you to our complainant. Thank you to our respondents. And now is the time where we take um, statements from the public. So I'll ask Madam Clerk if we have any speakers. We do. And the first speaker is Janice Anderson. Welcome. And meeting. Um, I'm glad I logged in tonight since part of my conversation was used as an exhibit. Happy to be of assistance to Rashid there. Um, I also wanted to commend him for bringing this complaint forward. Uh, for as much as some people talk about transparency in the city, none of this has been transparent and this council member isn't transparent either. Um, this council member represents me as a constituent in the city and they choose to solely communicate on Nextdoor, a platform I do not have access to. I was banned from Nextdoor without an appeals process, so I cannot see the communications of my city council member. She doesn't respond to emails, which I have also seen because I've requested her emails and I've looked at thousands of them. Um, so what I'm understanding is that I can't, I can't request city business that she does on a semi-public platform. And I, I can't request it from next door and I can't request it from you. So I have no idea what she's doing. Um, because I cannot see this communication, I am essentially blocked from this council member and from seeing the business that she conducts. Um, 
you guys might recall that it was ruled that Donald Trump could not block his constituents on Twitter. Um, And that's a different social media platform. But if she was on Twitter, which she's not, she likely wouldn't be allowed to block me. I mean, if you're thinking logically. So, and other council members do do business on, not business, but they do communicate on Twitter. And that's available for anyone in the public to see. Um, It's my understanding that she also does block some constituents on Nextdoor or mutes them so she can't see them. Um, Sorry, I'm losing track. (laughs) I'm a little... If I cannot see the business of a city official and I can't request it in public record, officials shouldn't be allowed to use that platform while they are city officials or they must be required to produce the records of their communications, especially when they are talking about constituents that cannot see those communications. Um, I believe that part of this whole thing is based on this one, this post that she made kind of doxing uh, over 200 people in our city um, and using it in reference to a crime rate increase in our city. So I just think we need a new social media policy for our city council members. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is call in user two. So we'll see. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Good evening, this is Anonymous. Uh, I normally operate in San Francisco, so I'm gonna stick to state law and I have no relationship with Alameda Anonymous, which is cited in this case. First, the local uh, local official, the council member, is themselves considered a quote, local agency under the Public Records Act, which means the council member is personally subject to the Public Records Act. And this is uh, directly from a quote from the Supreme Court in the city of San Jose case, quote, Broadly construed, the term local agency logically includes not just the discrete governmental entities wished in Section 6252, Subdivision A, but also the individual officials and staff members who conduct the agency's affairs. And so the council member is also subject directly to the PRA. Second, the respondent is wrong. There needs to be some court case determining that social media is subject to the PRA. Every writing about the conduct of public business a prepared, owned, used, or retained is automatically a public record until a specific statute or court case says otherwise. And AB 992 uh, actually discusses this when it's uh, a member of a Brown Act legislative body. Finally, under Community Youth Athletic Center versus City of National City, local agencies have to go to their private contractors and get records that are considered to be owned by the local agency. In this case, the council member is a local agency. Her contractor is next door, according to that member agreement. She is required to, quote, press their private contractor sufficiently to produce the records, then redact and withhold them for privacy and produce them. And so the council member must be required as a local agency in and of themselves because they have constructive possession of the records on Nextdoor due to their contract with Nextdoor to have Nextdoor search for the records or download the archive as previously discussed and then produce the records. Finally, mootness cannot have a relevance here. Otherwise, timeliness violations would never be found by the commission. The city could always uh, wait until after 10 days and after a complaint is filed. Thank you. 
59 to the California Constitution, you should resolve that ambiguity in favor of public access. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Michael Devine. Hi, uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak. Um, I just wanna uh, first comment, because this came up from the uh, public comments. Whoops. Uh, do you hear me now? Yes. Did you hear me before? Yes. Okay, good, because it just popped with the dialogue saying unmute again. Okay. Uh, first thing I wanna say about doxing, um, that's the wrong word to throw around. It's inflammatory and it's totally misleading. Uh, the content posted to Nextdoor was not doxing any more than the city releasing those same documents in a prior public records request. Um, doxing is actually a criminal act of revealing uh, through hacking or other illegal means uh, private information and exposing that publicly. So let's just shelve that as nonsense. Uh, second thing I wanna say, it is highly improper for the city to have accepted screenshots from an anonymous source um, the veracity of those is in question, the filtering of responsive content uh, versus, in, as well as the inclusion of non-responsive content in those um, documents uh, is, is problematic. Um, also, the acquire of that inherently violated the next door user agreement. Um, it also violated the privacy of other participants in that thread who, ex who expected um, the privacy terms of their use of Nextdoor and participation in those threads to be honored. Um, so also, because it's anonymous, we can't question the source of that. We don't know who that was, their intent, how they acquired it. Um, uh, I could make a guess as to who it was, but uh, I'm not gonna do that. I think a lot of Alamedans know exactly who it was as well, um, but um, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so yeah, I, I really don't think the city should have uh, produced any documents from those anonymously provided screenshots. And uh, I think that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, our next speaker is Monica Price. Welcome. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, oh, getting the echo now. Sorry, I was on my phone as well. Um, so uh, thank you for hearing me tonight. Um, I just wanted to point out that the Alameda Sunshine Ordinance requires timely access to all public records. Um, I'd also like to point out that the California Constitution, Article 1, Section 3B2, requires the city to broadly construe all provisions that further the public's right of access. Um, the city of San Jose case concerned whether personal emails dealing with city business are public records, and the court said that they are. It said that writings about public business that are sent, received, stored in a personal account are still subject to disclosure. Um, any messages and personal accounts concerning the conduct of city business must be disclosed under a CPRA request, um, unless they are, you know, exempt for another reason. Um, but the key consideration in that case is whether the communications concern public business, not whether they are carried on an email or text message or social media. Um, you know, if anything, comments on social media are even more public since they can be seen by more people than just the sender and the recipient, um, you know, as in an email. 
Um, and I just, I really urge this commission to consider what this case means. If city employees are using personal accounts to conduct city business, then these are public records and that should be broadly construed. Um, so if this is, you know, a systemic problem where these, re these records are not being thought of um, every time that a request is received, um, that, that should really concern the Open Government Commission and the city will end up being responsible for legal fees in a lawsuit challenging these practices. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Jay Garfinkel. Welcome. All right. Um, I hope we can get back <clears throat> get back out of the weeds for a bit. It's kind of dismaying that the city would uh, accept the uh, email from anonymous. It's even more egregious that you allowed an anonymous person to address the committee. Um, that what you know where is this uh, right to be a to face your accuser. I think that's uh, despicable. Um, I have a question about the uh, first um, complaint being barred. Um, Mr. Lee has uh, in the past refused to accept uh, complaints past the 15 day uh, uh, deadline. So I'm not sure why uh, he is allowing it to even be on the agenda tonight. Mr. Shabazz, uh, as you may not remember, but he was the vice chair of this committee at one time. And I'm sure that he uh, knows uh, all the rules very well. He's very well versed in uh, being able to find the uh, minutia. Um, he knows that at the end of 10 days, if he has not received a response, the city is in violation and he then has 15 days in which to file a complaint. He didn't do it. So that, that should be dead. If he wanted to pursue it, then he could have filed a second uh, Public Records Act request. He didn't do it. Instead, he filed a complaint which uh, was no longer valid because it was past the, uh, the deadline. Um, I think that we also need to clarify the a distinction between public uh, record and public domain. Uh, the records that he is requesting are in the public domain. The city is not required to provide uh, documents that are in the public domain. What does that have to do with openness? They're required to provide documents that are not in the open domain. domain. They're, they're required to uh, provide documents that um, people otherwise don't have access to through public uh, domain sources. The fact that he chooses not to be on Nextdoor, that's on him, that's not on the city. The city has no uh, obligation to, to uh, function as a secretary for him. Um, I, I think this is also an example of how dysfunctional this whole process is. I've been advocating for at least two years that the OGC should clean up their act and give specific direction to the uh, city staff. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Matt Reed. Welcome. Hi there, that was a delay in the unmute. Um, 
Thank you, uh, Chair Tilos and commissioners. Um, much of my thoughts have already been echoed. I'll just add a couple things. Um, number one, uh, you know, earlier this year, we had the Morris complaint. And there's some, there's some interesting parallels here because uh, in the Morris complaint, the city was late. And then in, in at least my estimation, they overcompensated by providing records that were more than 90 days old. And these are arrest records and there's a privacy consideration to be had there. Uh, and in this case, you had uh, uh, where a council member uh, you know, was asked for information to provide that. The city attorney did its, did its job, but, you know, it responded very late uh, and now has overcompensated, as a previous speaker mentioned, by providing things of dubious provenance. Uh, and so uh, in between, you had the Garfinkel complaint last month. And what's interesting about this commission is that in the Morris complaint, you voted 3-2 in favor, meaning that you understood that the city uh, should be penalized for its lack of timeliness. Uh, now, in the Garfinkel complaint, uh, you found the opposite conclusion, four to one, and that was because Jay had a responsibility to communicate back to the city attorney's office uh, when they weren't being responsive to his to his satisfaction. Uh, apparently, today you've you've got more sympathy for the complainant in terms of his uh, failure to communicate back with city attorney's office to ask them how things were going. Uh, last month, you seemed to think that was a reasonable expectation of a complainant. Uh, we'll see if you think that way again this time, uh, and so. You know, there's been lots of complaints about Nextdoor. Uh, th those are things that are more appropriately, uh, uh, the, you know, heard in the court of Nextdoor, if you will. And I know for a fact that plenty of Alamedans are very aware of their rights on Nextdoor and they execute them to the fullest. Uh, lots of banning goes back and forth uh, all over the place. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing is there's lots of great guidelines for social media policy. Uh, we're clearly hearing that. Uh, but I'm going to just take a, a wild guess that when the council member in question, uh, when, when documents are being requested, the current state of that social media guideline policy was rather rudimentary, perhaps non-existent. So in terms of the determination as to what constitutes city business to, to be applicable for, uh, or covered under this Public Records Act request, that's purely at her discretion and frankly uh, would be subject to some training policy, which sounds like it was non-existent. So going forward, clearly there needs to be a better policy for training for uh, elected officials in terms of uh, how they behave on social media. Uh, but at the same time, we do have to respect the right of privacy as a private individual uh, in terms of what they're doing. Uh, I would also offer that in the next door case, uh, you know, typically what's happening is elected officials, and we have other council members who do the same thing. They use Twitter for that purpose, uh, which is to amplify uh, information that's also available elsewhere. Uh, that's a that's a pretty common use of the platform, uh, and I don't know if that constitutes necessarily uh, something that should be disclosed under Public Records Act request. I, I frankly don't think it's uh, it's it's really warranted. That's my opinion. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, is that the last of the speakers, Madam Clerk? There are no additional speakers. Okay. I do see someone who just put a hand up. Alexia Arocha. Welcome. Hi, apologies. I thought I had already raised my hand. I just wanted to comment and in support of Rashid, I think it's, you know, people are trying to distract with various issues, but I think it's pretty simple that a request was made, a response was not made on time, and they didn't respond until there was a complaint. Um, I think trying to use so much legalese and con constitutional ambiguity isn't quite accurate. I also think if a city official is discussing city issues on Nextdoor, that is not the same as a private person. Um, and I think that that's pretty obvious and simple. And regarding the prior comment about the doxing debate and that not being any different than the city releasing it in a prior request, I, I actually don't agree with that. And I don't think that it matters what the intent 
was of those screenshots, it's pretty clear content. Um, also, another comment regarding the right to confront your accuser. This isn't criminal court. That applies in criminal court, and this isn't that. So I do think that um, the city had an obligation and didn't do what it should have done. And I just want to, again, voice support of Rashid and of some of the previous commenters. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Madam Clerk, I do not see any more hands up. Correct. Okay. So now, um, commissioners, do we have a motion or a discussion? Um, before answering that question, oh, looks like Madam Clerk beat me to it. So it looks like we'll put five minutes on each of our clocks um, for discussion. Looks like, yeah, I think I covered that ground. So commissioners, do we have a discussion points or does anyone want to make a motion at this time? Okay, so let me throw this out there. It looks like there's two um, different complaints here and maybe we should um, bifurcate these and tackle one at a time. Okay, I see a little head nod there. Okay, so the first one um, is in regards to, you know, Public Records Act was made more than 10 days passed by, five months later, and some number of days, I think 22 days, passes by, nothing happens, but there is a complaint made, and then it gets the ball rolling again. Um, you know, in previous meetings, we've been going over a lot of the procedural grounds as far as timeliness, and, you know, when a complaint should be made, so I think, you know, that's something we need to consider in this as well. You know, are we allowing, you know, things to come to us, you know, you know, 15 days and someone comes in within 30 days, you know, that's well, maybe, or if they came in within three months, then maybe that's past the time. But, you know, I think those are things we need to consider in the first complaint. Um, so commissioners, do you have any comments on this and you know which way we're leaning we don't see any hands up so if there's no discussion points do, do we have a motion here commissioner lopalato uh to get the ball rolling i'll just chime in um so i i find the the timeliness argument um I'll, I'll put it, I mean, I, I think we do have a little bit of a challenge with the possibility of whether the first claim is time barred with respect to um, if a complaint should have been brought, you know, 15 days after the 10 day window elapsed. Uh, I'm not comfortable saying that because that's not really what the past actions on this commission have been um, looking at that 2019 complaint. And I also um, think it's abundantly clear here that with respect to claim one, there, there was a violation. The city failed to respond within 10 days. And though I think we may have to do it, it's worth noting that enforcing the Sunshine Ordinance's statute of limitations with respect to this type of public records claim, you know, will only generate more complaints to the OGC in which, you know, somebody feels they hit that 15-day point or they're getting close to it and they have to file their complaint. And it sort of 
disincentivizes like back and forth discussion between the city staff and the requester, which we've been trying to encourage. Um, so I, I, I will just throw out there that if we were going to have to dismiss that first claim as potentially time barred, that our written decision or implementation report should probably include some kind of recommendation to the city about you know, how to deal with that, whether that's automatically tolling the statute of limitations for PRA related complaints until the time at which an eventual response is actually provided um, to allow time for informal resolution. Um, the city attorney obviously uh, cited some case law about FOIA requests not allowing continuing violation doctrine. So that's that's news to me. I don't know what to do with that, but that's above our pay grade. Um, you know, or maybe a recommendation about possibly revising the Sunshine Ordinance's statute of limitations with respect to public records requests, because that 15-day window feels yeah, um, feels tight. I like the point you made uh, yeah, very early in your comments in regards to how we're trying to get the public and the city attorney's office to, you know, sort of come to some kind of agreement. And I, I really wish, even if it was after the 15 days or after 30 days, that you know, the complainant made some sort of follow-up rather than the five months because yes, we're all busy people. You made a request, 10 days go by, but like the city attorney's office said, you know, something happened. You know, um, I'm gonna take their word for it. There was some kind of miscommunication, whatever, whatever. And maybe that's why they didn't get back to them. But, you know, after maybe the 10 days or after 20 days, after a month or two, I would think, a complaint, there should be some kind of email. Hey, I didn't get a response. And maybe we would start with 15 days from there because at least there was some back and forth, which we are trying to push as a commission to have the city attorney's office and the complainant sort of come to, you know, a resolution of, you know, figuring out um, their request. Any other um, comments here, commissioners? Commissioner Montgomery. I think this one's difficult because of the time, because of the time constraints. I mean, it's obvious, I think, to all of us that the city didn't respond in, in the re requested and in what is in the law that says they need to respond in that time. Um, also, it's obvious to us that the complaint wasn't made within the, the, the time period. So we're, we're on the first one, we're solely dealing with time constraints. And even if we find that the city, you know, didn't do their, their job or that, the, or that if we think that the complainant didn't follow up, there should maybe be some comments to from us about, um, you know, what, what it should look like in the future, because this the timeliness thing feels to me of the things that I've looked at before, which is an ongoing issue. I mean, I'm not quite sure how to deal with that, but um, yeah, that's, so that's part of the thing that's confusing about the first part to me, because I, it's clear that the city didn't respond. We, we all saw that and they, they, they said they didn't respond. Yeah. So there is one of the decision options where it's complaint dismissed on jurisdictional procedural grounds. So it could sort of, you know, fall into there. 
and and if we were to lean towards something like that then could we also write in a statement of you know that that we i don't know that we that we yeah um uh, let's ask chief assistant city attorney you know we could definitely say yes the city um did not respond in 10 days but we found this to be you know that we're dismissing this on jurisdictional procedural grounds so at least hey, it's on the record. The city messed up. The city already said they messed up and there's some kind of communication error. So this way we know there was something wrong here. And you know, that may- goes up to the city council and it tells them, you know, because we have some of these complaints that are saying maybe there is something wrong with, you know, the procedures going on, but um, the city's attorney's office did say that there is a new system out there that will make this better. Um, so I see that, you know, there's a lot of things that are, you know, I won't say broken, but a lot of things that could be improved. And it looks like we are on that path to improvement. Were you looking for my comments, Chair Tilos? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you want a, a quick one on, sure. on that one, yes, thank you. Sure. Um, well, one option that, that the commission may have is that in the, the newest revision of the Sunshine Ordinance, um, specifically subsection D of 2-93.2, which um, talks about, and this is language that I think was discussed um, by all of you earlier this year, um, that states in relevant part, in addition to the commission's ability to render a formal written opinion finding a violation or non-violation of the Sunshine Ordinance, the commission may also consider options for informal resolutions of complaint and upon majority vote of the commission may make non-binding recommendations to the city manager, city attorney's office, city clerk or city council regarding informal resolution options um, or steps to avoid similar future violations. That last part I don't think would apply if you were to find a non-violation, not to find a violation, but if you're talking about um, which I sense or I understand that you are wanting to make some recommendations about informal resolution options, such as, um, I don't know what form it would take, but some ideas that have just been mentioned about um, changing the um, Sunshine Ordinance to, to um, address uh, or to provide more time, additional time, um, or to toll the statute of limitations to encourage um, discussion instead of filing a, rec- um, a complaint. Those I think would all fall within the category of um, informal resolution options. So um, that is all to say that I think you all would have the ability to um, make informal recommendations, uh, non-binding, res- excuse me, make non-binding uh, recommendations even were you to find um, a portion of the complaint to be time barred. Okay, so just to restate, we could actually say complaint dismissed, but we can make some informal yes. recommendations. Yes, I think the city clerk has something. Uh, Madam Clerk. I just wanted to jump in and add on uh, to your comments, Chair Telos, about the fact that the new system is in place and this did occur before next request and in and it, it was a human error between two departments not <laughs> speaking, right? And so in next request, that can't occur because everything is in the system and we get reminders and therefore it can't be dropped because you see it visually and it it's in the system, you know, that 
it wasn't responded to. So it will be known now. So that is um, what Next Request is doing for us. So it is great news that we have that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks for, you know, restating that. that I, you know, it's nice to see it as a commission or me personally, I don't want to talk for all of us, but it is nice to see that there is a lot of improvement happening because we've had issues with these public requests. And now, you know, what sort of got in my head too was the information that, hey, next door, we do have an account and the city attorney's office would, you know, can easily gather that information that's that on the account and would be willingly, you know, fulfill requests with that too. So I like, you know, the path we're going on as far as like being able to produce more information for the public. We have a motion here. Remember, I'm only the chair for like, hey, I think this is my last meeting as a chair and, you know, the other commissioner is supposed to make the motions here. So I'll definitely make some when I'm uh, not the chair, but uh, Commissioner Chen. I, I, I actually have a question. Um, if the city didn't respond in the 10 days, that is a de facto violation whether anyone complains or not. It's like if a tree falls in the forest. <laughs> so, oh, I'm, I, I, so I'm wondering if I, I, I have, I'm, that's where I'm kind of stuck. Yeah, 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 no, no, I think, I think we're all clear as Commissioner Montgomery also said, the city attorney fesses up to it. There was some human error, no system available. I don't think that's any, yes. That occurred, but then is it our, do we believe it's our position as the Open Government Commission to like take these things on, you know, and, you know, especially, I just really wish there was a little, some back and forth between the complainant and city attorney's office to say, you know, some kind of reminder and, you know, in good faith, you know, within maybe not the, 10 days, but maybe a month, but to go five months, that's what makes it a little hard for me. And that's your time, Chair Telos, if you want to. We'll not make any more comments. Commissioner Montgomery. I'm going to go back to the, to the thing where I'm not, according to, to the rules and the regulations and the legislator, legislative rules, I'm not sure that it's on the complainant to, to keep nudging for for what you asked for or if it's just on the city to give what they were asked for um because i, I don't read it anywhere in, in the brown act or the sunshine ordinance that said that says that um once you put in your request you are responsible as the requester of information to continue to follow up and follow up and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing Um, yeah, so I, I just that. Um, this is actually just sort of a, a point of order in favor of a robust discussion on this issue, which is that um, these time limits for our decision and deliberation are, are not in our complaint procedures. So just so that everybody's aware of that, 
this space was purposefully written in to, to not have time limits for commissioner deliberation. So to the extent we want to be flexible on that, given the, the scope of issues in this complaint, there's, there's room there. So I just want to throw that out there. So basically what you're saying is even though I have a zero on my clock, you guys won't mind me commenting. Um, I will allow that courtesy to what, as well to you guys, when you guys hit the zero mark, I'll keep it down to a minute. But just to respond to Commissioner Montgomery, yes, totally agree it is not on the complaint and to keep nudging and going back and forth. But I think, you know, maybe one, there's just one other follow-up, you know, not nudging like every single month you go back. But if I would have just seen one, just, to, you know, as a you know friendly reminder to the city, I had this out there and it was totally human error. And I think we wouldn't even be in this place if that would have happened. And I, I sort of want to, you know, to let the public know that too. It's like, hey, things sort of happen. It's like, you didn't get it in 10 days. Yes, it's a violation, but it would help the city as well if there was a follow-up to just, hey, not, not multiple, but, you know, if it got to the two or three, then, okay, there, there's a violation. Let's put your... Um, complaint in but you know there's just like you know one other just follow-up to just oh okay you know city could have said you know we messed up a lot earlier in this process rather than five months from now uh commissioner chen uh i move that we sustain the complaint without a cure and correct because the city has um has has a cure in the sense that they have the next uh, software that will now uh, keep that from happening again because the tree did fall. <laughs> okay. Commissioner Lopolato. I'm in all recognition that the tree did fall. Um, I'm struggling with the fact that we do have a statute of limitations in the Sunshine Ordinance, and I may not like it with respect to um, PRA requests, but I, I, I just kind of want to, anything that we do, I, I feel like we have to frame it with some acknowledgement that there is a statute of limitations. And I don't know what form that takes, but I just want to throw that out there um, to see if there's any type of amendment Commissioner Chen might want to make, or um, if, if the commission generally thinks that that's not something we need to address, but it, it's, it's something on the flag. Okay. So we... I just wanted to make a comment that a couple of comments. One, um, to uh, Commissioner Chen's um, uh, statement um, as to the, the fact that the, the violation did did occur. I mean, our Sunshine Ordinance, as it's currently written, does it's complaint driven. Um, whereas I, I completely understand the commission's um, discomfort with with the um, the situation that that we that uh, that you are confronting at this point. But the way the Sunshine Ordinance is written, it's it's written by that violations are to be found after being raised by complaint. So that's just one. I just just to be guided by the documents um, or the, guided by the statute in this case, that's something I think um, the commissioners should be aware of. Um, 
And the second is that because the city has raised most forcefully the um, the statute of limitations argument, I'll just chime in and with Commissioner Lopalata's comment. Um, I do highly urge the commission to figure out if a way to address that statute of limitation and to marry it with the facts um, to include in the statement of decision because a year, two, three years from now, um, people may, may wonder how a complaint that was brought five plus months after um, it ripened into a complaint um, was able to be um, heard by the, by the commission. So I think it's important if, if you're inclined to, to find a violation to address that, that elephant in the room, the, the statute of limitations. Mr. Chad? I'll withdraw my motion and let someone else tackle it. Thank you. Um, I just sort of, yeah, this one's a little tough, but I sort of had a question for, a, for Chief City Attorney John Lay, but I think maybe Chief Assistant City Attorney Elizabeth might be able to answer it. Um, when he was speaking, he alluded to something. Oh, I'm trying to say that you know a complaint came up, up, or maybe it was a speaker. I think a speaker said maybe it was um, Mr. Garfinkel. He said something about like why is this even on our agenda if it's mm. past the 15 days? So, um, who can I get some? Uh, clarification from that from you chief assistant city attorney was like yeah like how did this even get to us is there no filter from the city attorney's office of like what's coming to us or it's like hey a complaint comes in it's gonna get on our agenda so who's making that call or is that maybe a question for the city for madam city clerk um i would be happy to um to address that that i think we will need the city clerk to chime in um uh, the city clerk's office is is the the recipient and the the um, of of the initial complaints, and obviously she her office informs us our office immediately upon receipt of such complaints. But um, as far as the mechanics and the administration of those complaints, um, that starts with the city clerk. Um, so to the extent that that um, Ms. Weisinger has any thoughts on that, I. I would defer to her. I guess, um, you know, uh, upon receipt of the complaint, I uh, reached out to the complainant to see if the matter could be resolved off of, um, you know, outside, because that's the, you know, one of the steps and one of the possibilities. And I guess jurisdictionally, I, I wasn't, um, I was, I wasn't aware if there was any jurisdictional problems and wasn't informed of any and wasn't told not to put it on. So I, if that was my fault, I apologize. Uh, okay. um, oh, and to be, oh. Uh, yeah, let me just ask this clarify. You, like no one told you there was any jurisdictional um, problems with it. So who, who would make that call? Would the, is it the state attorney's office who would tell you, hey, you know, this is like past the day or is that something that, you know, you would sort of look at or is it, hey, we got a complaint, it, we're just throwing it on the agenda. 
what, what, what's that process? Was it just. So I would say if it was, um, you know, 15 days after a meeting had occurred, I would know that date and I would understand that date. And I would have, you know, been very clear on that and checked in with the attorney's office. But, um, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, looking for a date on this one since he hadn't received a response. Fair enough. Okay. Um, Commissioner Montgomery. Okay. Uh, I'm going to make a motion. This is a difficult motion. I don't even want to do this, but I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to make a motion to dismiss this part of the complaint based on jurisdictional grounds because of the timing. Okay. Um, may I make a friendly amendment to that, Commissioner Montgomery? Um, you can say yes or no. I, I'm leaning that way too, but in our write-up, so maybe this is not part of motion, but you could hear it out. In our write-up, um, we sort of allude to what Chief Assistant Attorney uh, told us is like informally, you know, we would put in a write-up that, that the 10 days was um, not followed and that, you know, there was something there, but we're, we're acknowledging that, that something went wrong. She could also put in that the city attorney agrees that something went wrong. And we could also say that you know, that um, there's some human error. There were some systems, you know, um, we have old systems in place and we we have a path to make this better. Would you take that as a friendly amendment to that? But still, you know. Can, can you make it shorter? It got a little lost for me, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would say my friendly amendment is to go with your complaint dismissed on jurisdictional procedural grounds and that we inf that we informally address that a violation was occurred in regards to the ten days of let's see um, no response. I'm good with that. Okay, I would, Commissioner Laplata. This might be a, a friendly amendment to the friendly amendment <laughs> for your consideration, Commissioner Montgomery. Okay, yeah, put some legalese in it, please. I'm your girl. Um, so I wonder if maybe uh, we can uh, dismiss on the basis, as Commissioner Montgomery stated, including a factual finding that a violation did occur uh, based on the undisputed statements of the parties. Wow, that sounds way better than <laughs> what I said. So that we didn't spend a lot of time considering this, which we really did, but let's you know keep it tight. Um, and I would also offer as an additional friendly amendment that we include, um, some type of recommendation for, um, informal resolution of complaints regarding PRA requests to which no response was given in which the city consider automatically tolling the statute of limitations for PRA related complaints until the time at which an eventual response to the request is actually provided to the requester to ensure there's sufficient time for informal resolution. I'm sorry, I'm gonna ask you to do the same thing. Well, that's fair. It, it, it feels like the motion's becoming mind, like a whole paragraph. The friendly amendment amendments, my amendment, but we cut it 
without your last piece in there. So I, I think I think when you said um, what was your line um, a factual, there was a, a factual missing. I think that's clear, concise, but 